Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Channel podcast from Nick Malay Productions, featuring stories, information, and highlights from Estes Park and Rocky Mountain National Park, as well as guest interviews with locals, authors, naturalists, historians, and other experts on the wildlife and wonders of this beautiful region of the Colorado Rocky Mountains. This is Brett, and I'm your host. Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Channel podcast. I'm Brett, and I'm your host. Today, in honor of National Women's History Month, we have a very special guest in the studio, the Curator of Interpretations at the Estes Park Museum, here to talk about the remarkable women of Estes Park's history, Michaela Fundon. Michaela, welcome to the show. So glad you're here with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. So what exactly is a curator of interpretation? Sure. Well, um, I'm one of three staff members at the Estes Park Museum. So um, my purview is really um, exhibits and programming. So I organize exhibits um, and programs for the museum here in town. Hmm. And how did you land such a cool title there I at the know, museum? I know, right? Yeah, no, it's a great title. Um, I don't know. Are you from Estes Park? I'm not from Estes Park. Actually, um, I grew up in South Dakota, and I moved here from upstate New York. I just wow. finished graduate school yeah, um, and was applying for jobs, and I landed here, so I lucked out. You did. How long ago was that? I moved here in 2017. 2017. Have you seen a lot of changes at the museum since then? Yes. Yeah, we, there's been a lot of changes. We've done a whole remodel to the building, actually, mm. in my time here, and a full-scale collections move. Um, so anybody not in the museum field, we moved um, all of our artifacts. We have about 30,000 artifacts, archives, photographs, and everything like that um, from an off-site warehouse that we had um, to a building closer to the museum that was um, better suited to care for the artifacts. 30,000 artifacts. Sounds like a big collection to me for such a, a, a town with a small town with a short history so far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a great collection. Um, and with the move we were able to kind of get eyes on everything and we really discovered some things that um we hadn't seen before just because the collection is so large yeah um, like what what um there's some artwork that i had never personally seen just because it had been in storage and i was pretty new um so it was exciting to see um all of the artwork because we had to move every painting every piece like wow. one at a time of course very carefully um, so it's fun to get eyes on on all of that. Yeah, yeah. And you have a team there that you work with as well. Yes, there's three of us. So myself um, and then Jessica Michek, who is our curator of collections. So her job is all of the artifacts. Yeah. And then our director, Derek Fortini. I know Derek too. <laughs> good guy. Good guy to work with. Yeah, it's a good team. Yeah, awesome. So get, let's back up a little bit sure. and give me a little bit of your history, how your interest in, in history. <laughs> and how did you get started in this whole cool job? Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in Deadwood, South Dakota. Ooh, um, nice place. Right. So if you're familiar with Deadwood, there's a lot of history there as well. Yeah. Um, so I went to undergrad at the University of Wyoming. And then upon graduation, I went back and worked at the museums in Deadwood. Um, so I think just kind of growing up in and around so much history mm -hmm. and um, a place that um, really focuses on its history yeah. as a part of its tourism, as a part of its economy. Um, it just kind of, I think, seeped, seeped in. Yes. And um, so I started working for the museums uh, there right after undergrad. Um, decided that museum work was definitely something I was interested in. Right. And um, then went to graduate school um, four years later. So that's when you decided, you became aware of the history. Yeah, yeah, and the field as a profession, and um, 
the exciting things that can happen in museums. Did you have a, an area in history that you were most interested in, an era? Not really. Um, whatever I'm working on at the time becomes my favorite, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, so just from working where I've worked in Deadwood and, and here in Estes, um, I've learned a lot about the American West mm. um, and things like that. I'm also very um, partial to the 1920s because it was such a time of kind of dynamic. There was a lot happening yeah. in the 20s. So yeah. I, I lean towards that as well. A hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Just coming yeah. out it's of a war. A, and exciting. Yeah. A pandemic. And yeah. All There's sorts a lot of, of parallels. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know. I've been to Deadwood. It's such a cool place. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I think of it more from a tourist perspective, sure. but, and I never really thought much about the history of it. Yeah. I'd love to know a little bit more. Can you do a compare and contrast with Estes Park history versus Deadwood history? Sure. So um, there are some similar, similarities, excuse me, and some very big differences. Um, of course, they each have that kind of Western feel. Um, Deadwood started as a gold mining town, mm. um, and that brought in a lot of people very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, as in contrast to Estes Park, it was settled a little bit more slowly. Um, so Deadwood was a really, was a boom, was a boom town um, right away in the 1870s. Um, gold mining continued into the 2000s. Um, and then we had some kind of infamous um, Western um, characters, yeah. I guess I would say, um, in Deadwood, including Wild Bill Hickok, Calamity Jane, um, kind of those famous names from Hollywood at this point. Um, colorful characters. Very colorful characters, yeah. which we see here in Estes Park as well. As, really? Some, some colorful characters, yeah. um, of course, doing slightly different things. Uh-huh. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's very different. And also there are some, some similar themes there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they both have very similar growth eras, uh, mm-hmm. 1870s. 1870s, 1880s, yeah. yeah that's sure. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you ended up here doing that. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about some of the remarkable women of Estes Park's history that, you, or that you're inspired by or that sure. stand out. Sure, Well, there's so many, so it's hard to, to narrow it down. But um, there were a couple that came to mind um, when thinking about it and researching, um, I do a lot of research for, um, exhibitions. Um, so I just kind of, you kind of keep stumbling across the same names over and over and you start to dig into these, these women more. Um, so one of my favorite stories, um, is the, the founding of women's club actually with Eleanor Hondius, Uh um, from Elkhorn Lodge. So Eleanor was born in Longmont in 1880, um, and she kind of literally grew up with Estes Park, which I think had to be a very unique, unique thing um, for the time. And her family ran the Elkhorn Lodge. They started off as ranchers, um, decided that the hospitality tourism industry was a little bit more their their game. Yeah. Um, so they they kind of shifted gears a little bit and um, uh, Eleanor's parents ran it and then she ended up running it um, as well. Um, and um, kind of during that time of growth and building uh, the Estes Park community, really, uh, she, she, she was working alongside her husband. Um, before the town was incorporated in 1917, there was a group of men who got together, um, I think it was around 1906, mm-hmm. um, and they got together and started the Estes Park Protection and Improvement Association, oh, wow. which was kind of the precursor to local government, the precursor to cha- a chamber of commerce idea. Yeah. Um, and they were working to kind of 
help this growing community. Um, they were raising funds for a fish hatchery at the time. They were raising funds for all kinds of town projects. Right. Were they thinking of tourism at the same time? I'm sure they were. A yeah. lot of them were local businessmen, right. um, including um, Eleanor's husband, Peter, who <laughs> was with the Elkhorn Lodge. So he was um, you know, already tied into the hospitality industry. Um, a lot of them were lodge owners um, and businessmen who relied on that kind of yeah. economy, even <sighs> even then. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure they were thinking about that, not only how to improve the community for those who lived here, yeah. but for those who were going to visit as well. Yeah. Because by that time, the word was out. Estes Park was so beautiful. It was the place to be. Yeah. Um, wow. so, so she um, starts helping um, the Estes Park Protection Improvement Association. Um, they are trying to raise funds for their various projects. Um, and several of the other women, including the wives of the uh, men on the board, they were trying to help them raise funds. Um, and they were doing a very good job of it. How do you it. do that without social media and sure. the internet and all that? Yeah, they had quite a task, for sure. Um, they did all kinds of things. They held dances. They held fairs. They had bazaars. They did bake sales. Wow. I mean, it was kind of your classic. All local. All Here, local. Not Denver? Or... Nope. Hmm. Nope. It was all in town. Yep. It was all in town. And... Um, uh, the men at the time were struggling with raising those funds, so they got they got help. Um, <laughs> and the uh, the women actually ended up raising three hundred dollars, which That's a lot back then. for you know nineteen oh six, nineteen oh seven was a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and the women had an idea of what they wanted to do with that money. They were going to build trails, um, particularly up Deer Mountain. Wow! Um, so they had an idea for what they were going to do with those funds. Yeah. Um, so during one of the meetings, this was about 1912, mm-hmm. um, during one of the meetings, um, they, they brought the funds. Um, Eleanor walked in with the money in her purse and they said, here's your $300. We would really like it to go towards, um, trail building and things like that. And, um, they said, thank you so much for the money. Um, we actually have a different idea what we're going to do with these funds. Um, and she promptly closed her purse did not hand over that money and walked out of there and the women's club was born. Wow. That's how the women's club that's, came to be. That's how the women's club came to <laughs> I be. I was just going to ask you a little bit about her personality, but I think I saw a good snapshot right, <laughs> right there. <laughs> right. Yeah. She seemed um, a very determined, right. a very determined woman. And did that create any, um, was Peter sleeping on the couch the next you night? You wonder. <laughs> yeah. You wonder for sure. Um yeah, I don't know what that did to their relationship or any other, because a lot of the wives um, were also on that auxiliary, yeah. um, raising funds for their husbands who were on the board. So yeah. who knows? That could have maybe ruffled some feathers. If he was a good or smart husband, he would have admired her and said, <laughs> good job, hon, <Hey. laughs> and supported her. Yeah. Wow. Um, Eleanor Hondius. Yes. H-O-N-D-I-U-S. Yes. Yeah. And she's left a legacy here. Um, there's a person with that name still here? Still here. Yeah. yeah. Her son, Peter. Um, who is in his mid to late 90s, Incredible. I believe, is still in Estes Park. Yeah. The Hondias family is still uh, here and well represented. Yeah. yeah. Have you talked to him about his mom at all? Yes, yes. of course. And... Um, there's actually a wonderful book. Um, she wrote her memoirs, oh. um, which has been a great source of information. Right. Um, and um, he'll come to the museum from time to time. Um, we have, uh, they've donated to the museum yeah. as well. Um, so we have great family video um, and things like that. So it's it's really fun to hear his stories because so you can cool. see his memory get yeah. triggered by those yeah. those videos for sure. Amazing. So Ellen, Eleanor Hondius, we mm-hmm. honor her here this yes. National Women's History Month. Yes. Who else comes to mind? Um, well, kind of along the same 
entrepreneurial spirit, I guess, says Eleanor, is a woman named um, Anna Wolfram Dove. Anna Wolf? Wolfram. Wolfram. W-O-L-F-R-O-M. Uh-huh. Wolfram. Um, uh, and she came to Estes Park from Kansas. Um, she was a school teacher and uh, kind of started coming out here. Um, around the same time as a women's club actually starts starts mm. kicking things up, yeah. and um, she starts a tea room. Actually, it's called the it was called the Wigwam Tea Room, um, and it was um, out just kind of near Lily Lake. Oh yeah, actually, yeah. Um, which seems an odd place to put a business. Yeah, seven miles out from Estes. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So even even then, it was even farther from town than it is today. Really. Yeah. Um, but it was on a very popular hiking trail. So she opened a tea room. Smart. Yes. Um, and uh, did um, a great business in her tea room. She sold refreshments to hikers. She also sold books and plays and um, Native American uh, objects as well uh, in her tea room. And she actually did so well, she ended up opening another business in town. Um, so she actually technically got her start as a homesteader. She got her 160 acres and to improve her land. Unmarried. Unmarried. Yep. Mm, she came out here as a single woman um, and homesteaded. Um, and that's instead of like kind of the, our traditional idea of homesteaders is farming and ranching. Of right. course, that wasn't going to work very well up, up near Lily Lake. Yeah. So she, she built her tea room. That was how she improved her 160 acres. When you say built, she had help. She had help from her neighbor. Wow. Yep, she had help from her neighbor, but I believe she roofed her cabin herself. Um, so she was working hard, for sure, to get kind of things up and off the ground. Um, and uh, so she improved her land. She got her, she filed her homestead claim. She was granted her claim, and the wigwam took off. Wow. Um, so she had, she had a great run in Estes. She was also involved in Women's Club and other local yeah. civic organizations. So she was also very community-minded, kind of like Eleanor. Right. Um, uh, she was uh, very well traveled. She studied um, in France and England hmm. um, at Oxford. She was a playwright. She, yeah, she had. A, she was a woman of many talents. A Renaissance woman. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's interesting. And you may have said why she came, why she chose Estes Park. I'm not sure why she chose Estes Park specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, she may have had family in Colorado at the time, um, but she did. She came from Kansas City, um, or in and around Kansas City, I believe. Um, and I'm not sure why she chose Estes of all places, yeah. but here she landed. Yes, and mm-hmm. the perfect place. I was just thinking when Eleanor had the uh, women's uh, mm-hmm. club, the saying, if you build it, they will come. They will come. <laughs> or when the uh, the student's ready, the teacher will show up. <laughs> it's kind of that same principle, right? Yeah. Interesting. Anna Wolfram Dove, mm-hmm. an interesting lady. I thought I knew a lot about Estes history, but she introduced... I did hear of the Wigwam Tea House before, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I didn't associate her name with it. Yeah, it's yeah. still standing. You can still visit it today. And the building is, is still there, just out by Lily Lake. It's Oh, it is? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, all right, I'm going to have to... Mm-hmm. Easy Take to find. Hike. Easy yeah. to find. Okay, good deal. And uh, any, who else comes to mind? Um, there's one more woman who kind of, again, is on the same, the same lines as the other two. Um, her name was Josephine Hupp. Um, and she... Um, again, very community-minded. Yeah. Um, she was also a businesswoman. She was a hot- hotelier. She um, ended up having three different hotels on Elkhorn Avenue, um, all bearing her name, right which I love. Right outside our door here, yeah. Right outside our door, yep. Wow. Um, she first had the Hupp Hotel. Um, H-U-P-P, is that H-U-P-P, correct? H-U-P-P, mm-hmm. yep. And then um, she ended up buying the lot 
um, just across the corner from her, and that was the Hup Annex. Mm. Um, and then just a block down the street, um, she had the Josephine. Oh, wow. Um, so she had um, three hotels kind of at, at various points in time. Um, and she ran um, out of those hotels. Not only did she run the hotel, but they had cafes in them as well. So yeah. they were yeah. um, yet another gathering place for a women's club, uh-huh. for um, uh, other groups to get together in the community as well. And when did you say she came? That's a great question. Would it have been after the 1906 era? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So she, in, in and around the 1906 mm-hmm, era, yeah. She was a little bit later. Mm-hmm. She was obviously proud of her name and her, mm-hmm. <laughs> her uh, what she's done. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. Where can people find more interest, more you know, material on, sure. on so, all these women? There's um, some great books. Um, extra, actually, Eleanor Hondius and Anna Wolfram Dove have their own books dedicated to them. So if you really want to dive into yeah. those two women in particular, they have their own volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Eleanor Hondius has her memoirs um, published. So it's just the memoirs of Eleanor Hondius. And then Anna Wolfram Dove in the Wigwam Tea Room. Um, of course, you can find um, all of this at the museum. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also find these books at the, at the local library. Um, and are they then, available you know, to order online for people who are you know, yeah. out of state, out of country? Yes, absolutely. You can order. I'm sure you can order wherever books are sold. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can order online from the museum shop. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's, support the museum, yeah, please. Support the museum. Uh, McDonald's, <laughs> yeah. actually, just right yeah. McDon- over there. McDonald's book, bookshop. Is bookshop. Yep. yep. Um, they have they have a lovely local history section. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's um, those publications as well. The museum collection is yeah. actually online. Um, so you can keyword search the museum collection, um, www.sys backslash museum. Uh-huh. And you can find um, a whole slew of resources there, um, as well as um, a great resource for us at the museum is digitized newspapers. Very cool. Um, we have we are working with the Estes Valley Library. Um, the Friends of the Museum and the Town of Estes Park are all working together to digitize the Trail Gazette. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been digitized from about 1920 to 1975. Wow, all like keyword searchable. Mm. So... It's a it's a wonderful rabbit hole. Yes, <laughs> we need good rabbit holes if you're going to get lost these days. Wow! So it's I learned a lot about the some interesting women of Estes Park history, uh, old history, Estes Park new history. There's this uh, curative interpreter Michaela Funden here, and I'd love to know. Tell our listeners your and viewers your a typical day in the life of a museum museum cur- work. Yeah, yeah, work. absolutely. Well, I think. There is no typical day in the life of museum work. Um, it could range from anything, um, especially what I do, to hosting a program, to doing a podcast, um, to working with volunteers, mm. to painting walls for an exhibit. Yeah, um, It's a really varied job, um, and it just kind of depends what we have um, going on at the time. Uh, but we wear many hats. So yeah. sometimes I'm carpenter. Sometimes I'm web developer. Um, there's... Uh, always something to kind of keep me busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. truly. Got any plans to build a tea house? <laughs> no plans for a tea house. <laughs> Although, yeah, the painting doesn't quite extend to roofing my own cabin. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. still impressed with your list of, of job duties. <laughs> if somebody wanted to come, or somebody coming from out of town, or even you know locals who want sure. to visit the museum, what, what can they expect to find there? Yeah, absolutely. So we um, really focus on the town of Estes Park history. Yeah. Um, 
there are so many other local museums who are doing amazing things as well, including, um, you know, what's going on at Rocky Mountain National Park, McGregor Ranch, the YMCA. They all have um, collections of their own. So we, we really focus on the town of Estes Park yeah. and its history. Um, so we um, start that story 10,000 years ago, um, all the way up until present. Um, we we have some great things um, on display at the museum, including a Stanley Steamer, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a hands-on family space, um, and there's always kind of something changing. Yeah, great. This has been wonderful. One more time for our viewers, uh, how can we get involved in helping and or find more information? Can you just let us know one more time? So you can always find more information at www.estis.org backslash museum. Yeah. Um, and it's a great way if you're interested, if you're local and interested in volunteering, there are so many great ways to get involved there. And if you're interested in visiting, all of our open hours and resources are there as well. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, Michaela, this has been a great time together. I learned a lot. Um, Want to get over to the museum, see you and Derek and the gang. Yeah, sure. And learn a lot more. I appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much. Will you do it again sometime? Yes, of course. Thank awesome. you so much for having me. You're welcome. See you soon.